recording? Yes, that was the other. See, <laughs> I, I, here's what I, it's a little secret. I told three very important people in my life, including the most important person in my life, <laughs> you should remind me to say things before I speak. Because once I get on that mode, <laughs> it's over. It's over. Uh-huh. And so she just reminded me another one. Um, the Christmas, uh, how many got the video we sent, maybe on email or Facebook? So there are some families that we're going to be, we always try to help some families, people in our community look out, even outside of the church, uh, and share the love of Jesus with during Christmas seasons. Christmas is exciting, it's awesome, but it's not always awesome for everybody. Oh yeah, you know that. Maybe it hasn't been awesome for you sometimes. But anyway, um, um, these families, they, 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 this, what they're going through, it's kind of a situation where the dads are not at home. They are, they're in prison. And uh, you can imagine one family has five kids, another one has three kids, and a couple other families that we're reaching out to as well. And we thought, you know, we could, it's, what, what a way to, 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 to kind of look out for them. And tell them, even if your dad's not here, you do have a dad that's out there and is represented by people. They may be strangers to you right now, but we still represent the hands uh, of Jesus. And it's a great way to, to enter and minister to family. So now, with that being said, I know there's the logistics. As you're shopping for your stuff, we have stuff on the bulletin how you can, you can participate, you can contribute. I mean, you don't have to give $1,000. If you want to, I'm not stopping you. Go for it. But if we all did something, collectively, we could really bless a few families and just make, uh, give them hope. Give them hope that, hey, God is real. And he's looking, for, he's looking out for me even when I don't know it. How many can join us in that? So on Thursday, we're going to be taking the gifts to the family. You could give money. There's some lists over there. You could write maybe on your wrap. You could do wrap gifts. Write in what, what's, what thing you picked out so we know who it's going to. Um, you could do gift cards. Get creative. We have a list for ideas. And um, you put money. If you write money or a check, just note Christmas blessing. They won't know what is designated for. So anyway... Can I get a good amen? <laughs> All right. Anything else I forgot? No, okay. <laughs> All right, good. Get your Bibles. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> so we're, we're talking about sharing Jesus this season. You know, Christmas is about Jesus. It's about him. And we can say that like a cliche, but it's a real thing. Uh, I, I saw a news article this week that says, you know, if, if, if there was ever a war on Christmas, the Santa won. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and the, thing, the situations like, the, the story was about how people are thinking about a lot of things but Jesus during Christmas. And I think the writer kind of uh, has something to say there. I, I didn't read the whole article, but it just caught my attention to see the title there. Now, um, um, <clears throat> Well, in this age of, of, of social media, this is the best way I can think about it. You know, the last decade has been the decade of social media, a, a world that was not even thought about 15 years ago. Nobody even thought about what social media is, and it just kind of swept our world through a flood in the last 10 years. They tapped into something in our human nature, and it's worked well for them. It's made a few billionaires out of that. But anyway, in the social media world, you know, you get all sorts of posts and uh, things you see, you know, the world gets smaller and, and you get some things that maybe gets posted and come to your feed, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, uh, what's the other one, Instagram or whatever. I'm sure there are some new ones that I even have no idea about. But anyway, uh, what happens is that when, when you see something that you appreciate, what do you do to it? You like it, right? And if you really, really more than like it, 
Facebook goes smart. It's like, you know, you don't just like everything. There are some things that you really love, you know? How many like that, that they added that? And so you love the thing that's like, yeah, no, this is more than like to me. But then you get some other things that come to you and you read it or maybe you watch it or you whatever or a picture and you think, man, this is too good. Not only do I like it or love it, I want someone else to feel what I'm feeling. I want to share it with somebody. What do we do? You share that one. Because you think, this is too good for me to keep it to myself. And that's kind of what I'm thinking about with Jesus. You know, Jesus is way more, he's better, too good for us to only like him and love him and enjoy all his benefit and to keep him to ourselves. You know, we need to share Jesus if he's done that much to us. I want to be intentional about sharing Jesus and want the world to see. We share those things. We share political things that we like. We share, um, uh, <laughs> also, you know, funny things that we like. We want everybody else to get what, what you're getting out of it. And that's kind of, I think, in the best way I could describe what we need to do and how we need to feel about Jesus, not just hold him to ourselves, but be that deliberate about sharing Jesus so people can, can know who he really is. Not just know about Jesus, but to know Jesus. So we're going to be talking about that um, uh, today and, and, and looking at um, the Christmas story. Um, you, one of the things you will notice in the Christmas story, it is a story of family. It is a story of family. The best things that happen to us, the people that we want to share, the best things that happen to us the most are family. I can tell you, when you have family that lives 10,000 miles away, there are moments where you drive, maybe you're driving or something happens, and you think, I wish I could have this laugh with my dad. At least my brother was here and I enjoyed this moment. How many know what I'm talking about? And you'll see that family is important to God. God is a God of family, and he used a family to change the world. See, the Christmas story is a story of family. Uh, whether you're going to look at Luke, Jesus and Mary and Joseph, and, or you're going to look at Elizabeth and, and Zechariah, all these people were related. And God used that one family to change the whole world. Let me tell you this. God wants to use all families to change the world. He says that when we are in Christ, the Bible says we are seed of Abraham. And what was, seed of, what was the blessing of Abraham? The Bible says that through you, Abraham, all the families of the world will be blessed. And so God wants to use us. He says, because when we come to Christ, he says, the blessing of Abraham is upon us. God, he bestowed that blessing on us. And then through us, he wants the families of the earth to be blessed. Uh, if you're in Luke chapter 1, I want to read a couple passages just to show you how that faith is. It does get passed on from one family member to another. It gets passed on through family. Now, uh, verse 13 talks about, 39 picks up the story after Mary had had an experience with the angel. And at this point, she's already pregnant. She's down the road and she goes down to visit her relative Elizabeth. Verse 39 says, At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where he entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child uh, you will bear. But, But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord shall come and vis- uh, shall come to me. Verse 40, 44. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in, in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill all his promises. 
uh, uh, that the Lord will fulfill uh, his promises to her. See, when, uh, one thing that I want to just kind of point out from that passage is this. When Mary went to visit her relative Elizabeth, she didn't just go there by herself. You know what Mary did? She brought the Lord with her. So when she came to see Elizabeth, yeah, it says that Mary went to see Elizabeth, but who was Mary carrying? Mary was carrying the Lord with her. And that's no different with us. Everywhere we go, the Lord says when we have the Spirit of God in us. Wherever we go, we start thinking consciously about that we are bringing the Lord into every situation we go to. When we go to visit our relatives during this Christmas season, when we maybe have people over, we are bringing the Lord with us because we have the Lord living inside of us just like Mary had the Lord living inside of her. And and because the Lord was living inside of Mary... Elizabeth and her house were blessed. See, Elizabeth, uh, uh, Mary probably didn't realize the impact of, of having the Lord in her, what it would do to the household of Elizabeth. Who knows why she was going there? Maybe she was going to the other relative that was also expecting, just like, hey, life's really changed for me, and it's really changed really fast. You know, I know you're going through it. You know, who knows why she went, what her motivation is, but she brought the Lord with her. And the Bible says that when she got there, that, uh, that, they, 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 that, that she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit because Mary showed up. Mm-hmm. It's not because Mary showed up. It's because of who Mary was carrying yeah. with her. Yeah. And that not only Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the, one of the only guys or two guys in the Bible that talks about how the Holy Spirit came upon them when they were not even born. It says, John, who was... Not even born. And the baby also was filled with the Holy Spirit because Mary showed up. She brought the Lord in the house. Now that story may seem very profound to us and think that's, and it was absolutely miraculous in the way it played out. But I tell you, that same miracle that God did on Mary, that same miracle is a miracle He does in us when we get born again. Because the Bible says that the Lord is always knocking at the door of our hearts. That if anybody hears his voice and opens the door, when you open the Lord to Jesus and the Spirit of God lives inside of you, you have the same miraculous blessing working on the inside of you. You've got to start believing that, that you're taking the Lord to everyone and everywhere you go. Man, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself and I'm, I'm excited about it. So good. I'm, <laughs> You could go. Okay. You don't want me to Let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Let's skip down to verse 67. It says, his father, and it's speaking about John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. That's what he said. Skip down to verse 76. And he's, he's speaking to his child. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. So Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, he was prophesying. He prophesies over his son and confirms the Lord's promise over him by speaking out in faith and declaring the word of God over his life, even before his son knew how to talk. Now, when he's saying this, it's at his circumcision. So he's probably eight days old. He's a baby here. And his father is telling him, this is what you're going to do. The Lord has a purpose and a plan for your life. You know, the Lord has destiny and purpose over every one of our children's lives. And just because we understand that does not mean we sit back and relax. We still need to pray and speak the word of God Amen. in faith over their lives and over their destinies. He was eight days old. He was a little baby. And the way he was praying, you know that he continued to speak that word over his life. Now here, an angel had come down and spoken a word 
most of us don't have that experience when we're expecting our child that the angel comes down and actually says, <laughs> this is what your child is going to do. But he didn't let it end with that. That's how important it is. Even when an angel comes down and speaks, he, he still continued to speak over, over his child. Um, God has spoken over your child too. You know, the Bible in Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you declares Amen. the Lord plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future or not to harm you. You know, you know what it is, but you know, he kept saying that over and over. And we can say this. We can speak those same words over our own children. Amen. You know, the opposite did happen when God told the Israelites that he was going to deliver them out of Egypt. He gave them all these promises and that generation that came out of Egypt, they did not see the, those promises. Because when the Lord speaks, we still have, we still have responsibility to carry it through. And I, I believe that Zechariah understood that and he, he continued to speak over his child because he, he didn't let it just end with that angel speaking, right? Mm-hmm. When we speak it and say it, that child hears it too. Amen. Every child, every child, every child is special and unique and has a purpose. And we can raise them up in that awareness, Amen. in that awareness that you have a purpose, you have a plan. God has a plan for your life. And I love how Zachariah spoke over his, um, his son's life. Uh, it speaks a lot to the role of family mm-hmm. and sharing faith in our family. You know, God is a God of family. Throughout the biblical history, we see that he set out family as an institution that represents him on earth. Even the, the body of Christ, the family of God, you know, we're called sons and daughters. You're my brother. You're my sister. He, he speaks in terms of family. He loves family. He designed family. You can look from the very first story in the Bible. It's Adam and Eve. It's about a family. Um, the genealogy from Adam to Abraham is all recorded. Abraham to David. David to Jesus. It's all been preserved because God loves family. So it is no, it should be no surprise to us that Satan wants families. He wants to destroy families, Mm -hmm. right? He wants to undermine the family. If he can put a dent in the family, then he can dent the world, really. Mm -hmm. And we see evidence of that. We see evidence of that in the amount of orphans, in the amount of fatherless homes, motherless homes, broken homes, um, hurt in families. We can see that Satan, I, I always think when Satan is after something, it's because it's something that valuable. the Lord loves. It's something valuable. Mm-hmm. And family is no exception to God. And so we really want to encourage you today about your role in your family and faith. And it's so good to, to know this. And, uh, and here's, a, here's the thing is that uh, as society goes, things don't always, life doesn't always go the way God intended for it to go. Because there's sin in the world already. There's already brokenness in the world. There's already iniquity in the world that gets passed on from generation to generation. So you'll have marriages, you'll have families, you'll have things that are already complicated as it begins with. So you're like, and I can tell you time and time again, I can tell you how many times I've met with couples that are maybe wanting to get married and stuff. And when you, or, or they're newly married and they're dealing with something. And you realize as you start talking and, and counseling, you find out you already started wrong. There's so many things that are already complicated. And so you have to kind of almost reverse it to get the Lord's blessing to, to really penetrate to it. But you have to agree that, hey, the way things are right now, it's not the way God designed for it to go. And let me tell you, 
There is nothing that is too far beyond God's hand to reach and to change and to redeem. That's why he came. Because he can restore that which the enemy had stolen. What, that which the enemy had destroyed and wanted to kind of utterly um, uh, kill. And uh, God can take those pieces. Christ can take those pieces. His brokenness is so that he can take those pieces and mend them. And he can begin a new family tree. You know, I'm always impressed by the story of Abraham. Because Abraham, you know, the Bible calls him the father of faith. And, and, and he's, he's, the guy, he's the only guy in the Old Testament that his promise and blessing really flow into the new covenant. Because Abraham, if you realize, Abraham was not, he was lived before Moses. He lived before the law. Some of the things and the principles that you can see from Abraham's life, they carry well into the New Testament. Abraham was filled with the Spirit. Abraham was called a friend of God. We sing a good song sometimes here. You know, I'm a friend of God. That was Abraham was the first guy to be called a friend of God. But Abraham, his father, his family, they they were not serving the Lord. Abraham came from a family of pagans. They were watching the sun, moon, and the stars. But God started a new thing. He started a new covenant with Abraham. That inspired me when I was a young man a lot because I realized that God just needs us to recognize what's going on around us. No matter what your family background has been, when you are in Christ, God can start a new chapter with you and begin to transform things, correct the wrongs that have been wrong, and you start a new lineage of blessing because he says that he will bless to a thousand generations of those who love him. And so, so the Lord, and, and so when, when we talk about family and sharing faith through family and how God intended for it uh, to, to, to flow through family, I recognize that there are people even here this morning that when we talk family, maybe you even felt uneasy because your family isn't that cool. And maybe they, they've done a lot of things that maybe have hurt you. Because, you know, this is how Satan does. Because he knows, if, like as she said, that if he puts a dent on the family, then he can put a dent on the world. So he knows if he targets something that will really have meaning, he will target the family. Truth is, studies show how much impact the family has on just life. I'm talking studies that are secular, academic studies that are not uh, even in the Christian world. Uh, they tie family upbringing to academic success, to the just overall well-being of, of children, how well they do at school, how, how, how confident they feel about their lives. This is, so the positives and the negative traits that are passed on through families live with us for a long time and then we pass it on to others. Now that's precisely why Jesus came, so that he can give us the power to overcome all these odds that have been stacked up against us. Because even though we are products of what our past and what our family heritage is, in Christ we no longer have to be prisoners of it. And the power of sin and iniquity has no dominion over us. We, do we get tempted? Do we mess up? Absolutely, without a doubt. But sin no longer has dominion over us. And we can call the promises of God and speak about the future that's greater than the past. Yeah, this is my past. I can never correct that. But an arm in Christ Christ, hey, and he dictates my future. He holds my present. He dictates my future. Amen. Our family is our most important mission field. I really, really believe this. I believe the Bible refers to it in different ways. Like in First Timothy, it talks about the qualifications for elders and deacons, that your family has to be in order, different things like this. You know, I grew up in a... Um, in a house with a, I grew up as a pastor's kid. My dad founded this church like, what, 29 years ago now? 28? 
28. Somewhere in there. And so I grew up as a PK pastor's kid. And, you know, my dad's calling was pastoring, but he would made it very clear to us that if his family was falling apart, if he, if his children were serving the Lord, he would lay down his calling to, to the church in a minute for his family. And I, I really think that that lesson, just hearing that and knowing that about him and seeing him be willing to walk that out plays a big, it played a big impact on me as a child even and helps me as a parent realize that my family, my kids are my most important mission field. God, you know, no one knows this better than our family, right? So oftentimes they're the easiest and the hardest to reach, yeah. to witness to, to reach. They're the hardest because they don't take you seriously. Because <laughs> when you, if you get saved and your, uh, and your family's just seeing a new person here, they know your past. They know your failures. They know your weaknesses. They really know you, right? So that can make it the hardest. Sometimes they can make them the hardest to reach, but it also can make them the easiest because as they watch your life and they see, whoa, this change is genuine. They really know you. <laughs> they really know your past. They really know your failures. They really know your weaknesses. So those changes can be even more significant for the people that really know you. So they can be the easiest. They can be the hardest. Sharing the gospel with family requires boldness, honesty, humility, and overcoming fear of rejection. And we're going to talk about all those points. But I want to tell you a story about when my um, when my grandparents came home from Nigeria. They were on the mission field. Soon after, they went to a small city in Illinois called Danville. It happens to be even where I was born. And if you know it, bonus points if you've ever been to Danville. <laughs> but um, they came. They were planting a church in Danville, right? So they had teenagers. I think my mom was out of school already, but my uncles were in high school. They were in a public high school there. It was a small church plant. And these young people, these, these um, teenagers, they got on fire for God. Now, there weren't a lot of them. Remember that. And they went into their high school. And they started inviting kids. They were on fire for Jesus. And they're inviting kids to come to their church. These kids are starting to get saved, these youth from high school. And um, there were a a good handful of them that really got saved. And their lives were turned upside down. One of those girls was Molly. Her name was Molly. And she came and she gave her heart to the Lord. And she was a girl that was not like necessarily out of the box, like going against the grain. But here she was um, doing something very different than her family was used to, right? And her family actually was in church. They were in a very fundamental church, but they didn't know the Lord. And um, by a year by a year later, they had given their hearts to the Lord, and some of her brothers had to. And their family line, their generations to come even, were completely changed because she gave her heart to the Lord. And... Um, it's amazing to me. She had boldness to go back, even though she's not usually like one to go against the grain. She had boldness to go back and show her family what was happening. And they had a lot of questions. They started getting their questions answered. And I tell you, they started winning people in their city that they had influence uh, over to the Lord, one by one by one, families. And now you can look at that family and see three generations down serving the Lord. It's incredible what one young lady was able to share with her family. And it started with one kid from church who was willing to invite somebody. There are that there are probably four or five at least that I could name you of kids that came at that time who's who for generations have stayed and are serving the Lord. 
it's amazing what impact we have on our family when they see their young their young teenager come home and she's a different person and they want what she has they want what she has i i just love that story because she's a young person and she made a difference for generations you know good <clears throat> and, and and one one area that the lord actually some people are not bold by oh, nature can i say one thing yeah you can say she, two, molly three, ended five up being things. my aunt Anything you want. so my uncle missionary dated that's what we call it <laughs> he brought his she he ended up marrying her <laughs> one of my uncles and she's been uh, on the mission field for 35 some yeah. years Since serving 84, Sorry, and most yeah. of you have met her i know so that that was molly but i'm saying if you know her even the story is more impactful of the the change isn't it awesome and, and the thing is that many times we we with family and reaching family one of the things that is intimidating sometimes is not having the courage to talk to them because i i, I have found that many times we go through that filter i was like you know <clears throat> On the outside, you know, you can look different and you can really impress people outside. You could be a rising star in your place of work, at college, whatever. You go to high school, uh, but, 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 but your family don't always look at you that way. Even Jesus as a prophet finds no honor in his home. Even Jesus had difficulty when he went back to his hometown to preach there. Because they always think about, oh yeah, that kid, I remember him. He graduated from Lincoln High. No, nothing from Lincoln Heart. No, I'm kidding. I'm picking on Laura. I'm picking on Laura. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but anyway, um, um, but because of it, I think there's, there are these mental blocks that we have, we create, and that, that can really kill your confidence. Because when you're wanting to share about what God's doing in your life, they're looking at you. Are you, are you a freak now? Whatever happened? Where'd you get all religious on us? Oh, no, you know I'm, I'm preaching good, and you know I'm telling the truth. But you know, the, 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 one of the things that the Lord does to us when the Holy Spirit comes to us is that he gives us an inner boldness. It doesn't mean like you have to change your personality. It's just his spirit inside of us. Yeah. Uh, if we will let the Lord walk through us, yeah. then we can share with the family, and we can share with people around us, and we can get over that, uh, the nerves that, that, that come. It, it is amazing to me how many people I have talked to over and over again, this has been repeated many times, where they have no uh, fear of sharing, they have no problem about witnessing and talking to people about, um, about the Lord and, uh, and what the Lord even has done in their lives, but they never bring people to the point of, uh, of decision, where they can make a decision for Christ, whether to follow or not. I, 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 I could start picking examples. I've even listened to sermons where a message has been preached so good the gospel was presented in the best way possible. I'm like, I can't even present the gospel that good. And then we pray and we end and we never give people the opportunity to make that decision for Christ. And what I found that many times more people are ready, closer to being ready than we realize. Because they see the changes in your life and they are curious. They are curious. I mean, they know you. They know the real you. They know the hot temper. They know the what. They know everything. And they are curious to see what's happening. And maybe they hear even what you're... You might have occasional doubts. and But don't let that discourage you. Uh, and even if you presented the, 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 to that statement. I, I talked to a guy one time. was a friend. His uncle had died. And... Uh, he loved this uncle. He's like, hang out, admire this guy. And, 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 and so when we were talking, say, hey, I'm so sorry about your uncle. Did he know the Lord? 
I says, you know, I, I don't know where he stood there. I'm not sure. I think he did. And that, me, to me, breaks my heart. Because maybe the uncle just, and I, I'm praying that the uncle maybe knew the Lord. But he just tells you how many times we don't even go there. Yeah. And we can live and know somebody and even appreciate who they are because they are great people. And I didn't say, hey, have you, did you ever make a commitment for Christ? It could be just as simple as that. Are you born again? Or, or, or because you know him, do you really know where you're going? Being able to get people to that story. And that requires boldness and getting, uh, getting over um, uh, beyond your comfort zone, you know. You need to kind of cross over that comfort zone. But, uh, and they, at first there might be nerves, ner- nervousness about it. But once, once you cross to the other side, it really isn't as difficult uh, as it, it may seem. I, I remember when I, when I was saved, I was kind of like Mao, if you would, um, uh, because I, I was a teenager and, and I'm fire for Jesus. And my friend and I, we would, we, we, we would have a list, you know, of all our friends and all of our family members. We wrote a list on a piece of paper and we decided we're going to meet every day and pray for all our friends that are not saved. Now talk about, that's what I love when young people get on fire for Jesus, you know, they, and my friend Dickens and I, and he's a pastor too now, none of us ever thought ministry, because he was, he was in college uh, doing accounting at the time, so he was gonna, uh, he was gonna be a CPA, that's what he wanted to do, and now he's pastoring. You know, and, and, and we were listing every name, every kid in the neighborhood that we knew, and all, and we were praying. And so every, every, uh, every, every, every afternoon, you know, we'll come and pray. I, I, I remember at that time we didn't have school. Um, uh, and uh, I, I, it, so one of those incidences where we were praying, you know, actually we were reminiscing this, my brother and I, Sam, uh, he, they were at our house for Thanksgiving. And so we're sitting down and just starting and looking back. This is uh, like 20 years ago now, or maybe more. Yeah, 20 years exactly now. Imagine that. Wow. I'm not that old though. I was, did I say I was a teenager? I was like two, you know, but, <laughs> but anyway, we were just looking back, and, and he remembers the story uh, a little different than I remember it, and we were just kind of exchanging the thing. But what had happened is, um, um, <clears throat> my friend and I, we were praying. Deacons and I were just praying. I mean, we're in my room. We're probably praying loud enough that they could hear us. It wasn't intentional, but we just did not uh, feel to put any filter on showing what we had. And, I, and we were praying. I don't know how long we were in there praying, and we're praying for everyone. And he came to get to the living room. He had to go across a hallway in our house to get to the living room. And he could, he could hear us pray. And he just felt this conviction. He just felt this conviction. He says, so he's telling me, because I know all I remember, he came and knocked the door. But he says, I went in the house and I was like shaking. And, and, and I told my mom, he's like, well, uh, I, I really, I really need to get saved today, you know? And he, he, he got his Bible and he just started reading the Bible randomly. And then he came back and knocked on the door. He's like, could you guys pray for me? I want to get saved. And, and, and here he is, you know, serving the Lord in his life. And, uh, he came, but, 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 but it shows how, because he knew me as his brother, his big brother and stuff, but, uh, he could see that what was going on was real. And I think because we had the boldness to not really hide, when, when we got to, when we met Jesus, when I met Jesus in a real way, you know, I grew up in church, but I met Jesus. You can know about Jesus, but you can meet Jesus. And when he met, really met Jesus, he was real and he transformed my life. And I wanted it for everyone. 
I wanted to share that message. I didn't want to just like it. I didn't want to just love it. I wanted to share it. Go tell it on the mountains, over the hills, and everywhere. Go tell it everywhere. You know, I wanted to do that. And I knew that also, I realized that there's also a spiritual battle. And so we were praying. So if anything, if you don't even have an audience with your family, stop praying for them. I mean, stop really praying for them. Calling them to God every day, you know. And, and, And when those opportunities come, don't be shy about asking that question. Now, listen to me. They might say, no, leave me alone. They might say, ah, not now. I'm not ready yet. Or they might surprise you and say, oh, yes. Oh, yes, I, I want Jesus in my life. God says their response and their answer is not on us. Their response, their, their answer is on them. And it's not us saving them. We're just catalysts. We're just bridge. We're those people who stand in the gap. God is the one who saves them. No one says that Jesus is Lord unless through the Spirit of God. And most of the time when you, when you launch out like that, you are walking in unity with the Spirit of God. You're walking with unity. And they might have said no five years ago. They might have said no last week. And today they were asked again. It's like, oh, yeah. Because they weren't ready then. That doesn't mean they're not ready now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the second one is honest. Honesty. Authenticity. Authenticity is everything. You really can't be phony. <laughs> your, your family knows you, right? <laughs> they know you. And God's not expecting you to be perfect, but he has definitely called us to be authentic, to be genuine and honest. I told you um, I grew up at a pastor's home. I was actually saved as a child, a young child. Um, I don't even remember the day I was saved. And um, I, I never even walked away from the Lord. And it used to be like when in youth group, they want you to share your testimony or whatever. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've got the most boring testimony ever. (laughs) (laughs) And I, over time, I started to realize that it is an awesome testimony. Mm -hmm. It is an awesome testimony. And there's a couple things that I attribute to that, mainly the grace of God, um, that I grew up a believer and never walked away from the Lord. But I think that a whole lot of it also has to do with my parents' relationship with the Lord. My parents had a very authentic relationship with the Lord. They did not have two lives, a church life and a home life at all. They were the same at church as they were at home. And as you know, kids know. They know. Mm -hmm. You can't hide things from kids. You can think you're hiding stuff from your kids. You are not hiding stuff from your kids. Maybe Christmas presents for about a month. Yeah. (laughs) That's about it. that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And my parents, they were not perfect, but they didn't hide their imperfections from us and their their walk and their struggles. They didn't hide it at all from us. They made family a priority in their time, in time and interest, um, especially as we became teenagers, we always ate dinner together as much as possible. And then, and there would be a lot of time to talk and them to get to know about our lives. And then they made, they made time to get to know about our interests as we became older. And we're trying to figure out what we wanted to do as we, each, my brother and I were developing different interests. My parents took an interest in the same thing and they encouraged those interests. So they had that relationship with us. 
which helped a lot. But I tell you, we were not perfect in Bible studies. We didn't do a Bible study together every morning. We may have for about two weeks, and then we forget about <laughs> it for a long time. But the Lord was a part of our everyday conversations. It was He was a part of our lives, and it was very authentic. I saw them walk through difficult things. I, I would know when my parents were stressed and things were hard, even if they wouldn't tell me exactly what was going on to protect me. I knew, because as a kid, you know, and one day I remember coming home from school, and I knew it was a stressful time in our house, and my mom had the music on high, and she was dancing worship music, and she was dancing all through the house. I'm like, okay, that's how we do it. When we're stressed <laughs> out, you know? Like, <laughs> and Or my dad, his personality was not that at all. <laughs> it's not that. And so he would call my mom into the bedroom, and I'd, we'd hear them praying together when they're struggling. And But I, I just, I believe so much that that authentic faith life can be so impactful for kids. Both my brother and I grew up serving the Lord and we didn't stray and we're raising our children that way. And the thing I want you to know is that it is not, it is not difficult to live that way. Now, in the end, my brother and I, we both have a choice to make. We both had a choice and we had to decide just because our parents knew the Lord doesn't mean we automatically knew the Lord. How many know your kids can, you can do everything right and your kids can still decide not to. Yeah, but you can play a huge role by showing them that we're not different people at church than we are at home. We don't put on our God face and then go home and put on our real face. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It makes a big difference. Um, and my brother and I both chose that because I, I, I believe that it helped a lot. It made it a lot easier to see authentic faith lives. Even my my uncle, I know he's uh, he's a pilot and he would he would fly a lot. He'd be gone from home a lot. He had four kids. And he made the decision to be intentional with his kids. He got a hold of the Understanding God um, curriculum that we teach our fifth and sixth graders. And he, with each one of his children, he took them through that thing one by one to disciple them. There's things we can do to be intentional with our kids. Yeah, when they were teenagers. And to really get to know them and to talk about faith with them specifically. He did that with them and it was very effective. And so there's different things we can do. But I think to living an authentic life and being honest... Not only with our family, it, it it helps when we're witnessing to anybody, our coworkers, our neighbors, because the ones that see different parts of our lives, when they see two different kinds of people, it, it can turn them off from the Lord. Yeah. Two things to add on that is one is that maybe sometimes I, one of the things when we talk about this, some people think, oh, well, my family is well gone. Maybe then my kids are old. They've already made that decision. Let me tell you this. You don't give up. You don't give up on praying. You don't give up on speaking. You don't believe, give up. Like when John, when Zachariah was praying for his little baby, eight-year-old, that prayer doesn't stop. Let me tell you why you don't give up. Because God promised. Now, let me read one verse to take you back to the very beginning. When, uh, when, um, when, um, 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 verse 44. It says, as soon as the sun, okay, two, 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 two. Let me see here. Yeah, verse 44, it says, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, my baby in my womb leaped for joy. And then 45, this is Elizabeth saying to, 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 to Mary. She says, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Blessed is he who believes that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her or to him or to you. There is a blessing that comes when we hang on 
to the Lord's promise. It's like, I don't see the resource I want. I know this is what I see. I know, man, and sometimes even when I try to press in more, it gets even worse. Because the enemy wants to discourage you. And and so, so the law says there is a blessing that comes with faith. Of saying, God, I know that the promise is not for me only. You said the promise is for me, my family, my children, my children's children, and those who are far off as long as many as the Lord our God will call. I know that that's what you say, God. And so because that's what you say, be it unto me, like Mary said, be it unto me according to your word, according to your promise. I am believing for my family that we will not just have a good time here on earth, that we will rejoice forever and ever in heaven. I believe that that's my destiny. Some may come easy, some may come hard. I don't care, but I'm not giving up. I keep praying because blessed is he who believes that the Lord will fulfill his promises on her. So so I want to just kind of inspire your faith. If you haven't prayed with intensity, you need to start praying with intensity. And you need to have to pray prophetically. I mean, Zechariah is praying for, for this eight-year-old, eight-day-old baby who has no clue what's going on in the world. She, he has a life to live. But his prophecy says, my son, this is what would happen in your life. And speaking the blessing of God, God has already spoken destiny over your life. You are going to be the kind of person that's going to change your world. You're going to bring people to Jesus. If you can pray for an eight-day-old baby, you can pray for a 40-year-old lost son. You can pray for a cousin that's been crazy and dark. Because God, God sees no limitations. Nobody is too far where God's hand cannot reach them. The other attribute that we need to look at is, is hum- humility. And this one I, I learned the hard way. You know, with youth, and I, when you're young and energetic, and maybe you're charismatic by nature, excited, I think I'm, I, I've always been a passionate person uh, and, and, and loud. And sometimes when you're passionate and loud and you're young, sometimes you can come across as arrogant. Oh, I had a few times, trust me, where I clashed with my family. Because I, was, I became very legalistic. I would judge what they are watching on TV. What, you know, I just say, I was getting really mad at what they were like, how, how can you be entertained with something that you preach again? You know. I was young. And God knew that I was innocent and I only wanted good. But, you know, um, many times it's, it, it, one of the blessings of maturity comes that God doesn't need you to impose th- things on anyone. Actually, God, he's all capable by himself, but he's giving us the privilege to be a part of his work. Yeah. And uh, just because you see it clearly, it doesn't mean that they see it clearly. So we have to be gracious. Mm-hmm. We have to, to learn grace and, 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 and be able to, even if we know it's wrong. It's not our job to hammer people and to judge people. We need to go with a heart of humility because truth be told, the only reason we are saved is by God's grace, not of our own doing. It says it's a, it's a gift from God, not from us. It's nothing we did to get us there in, in terms of uh, earning it. It's all by the grace of God and the same grace that he extends to us and not punishing us in accordance to our sins and giving us time to, to grow. That same grace we need to extend to others. You know, one of the attributes that was uh, on Mary, in fact, if you read through the Christmas story, you find one of the things that the Lord 
chose Mary about, one of the key attributes he had, she, she, was, she was humble. Her humility endeared her to the Lord. Because the Lord says that the, he, he gives no time to the proud. He says uh, he, he has no grace for the proud. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And he, he will lift you up. He who lifts himself will fall, the Bible says. Whoever exalts himself. But whoever humbles himself, the Lord will lift. You want the Lord to lift you, not you lift you. So, so being, ha- having that disposition of uh, humility will actually show our family that really Christ is alive. You don't have to win the argument. Trust me. There are some fights that are not worth it. You could be wholly right, but it doesn't mean you have to take that knockout punch to prove that you're right. In fact, because our family knows us, humility will display sometimes the character of Christ more than us being correct and knowing exactly where that verse is and how they all interpreted it wrong and how they are lost. You know, I, you know, we could get into some of those debates. I, you know, why are we celebrating Christmas? It's a big, you know, we discover all these new things. And now we want to like, hey, we know more. It's not worth it. Yeah. We want to just share Jesus. Mm-hmm. And humility sometimes will, will go farther. Not sometimes, always go farther than being right. When we um, when we are saved and we notice people the, sinners that are just acting all a fool, you can think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always I always remind myself, you know, they don't even know the Lord. They don't even know the Lord. They don't know at all. And and how how would they know? They don't even know the Lord. You know. And when they do know the Lord, God also has us each at our own pace. He reveals things to us at our own pace in our own lives. And that's how you can walk with grace too. Just reminding yourself that maybe the Lord's revealed this to me about my life and I already got rid of that and he's still dealing with it. But you know what? God hasn't revealed that to him yet and it's not my place too. And I can walk, I can walk knowing that God has me at my own place and I got something else coming probably, a new lesson coming to me too. (laughs) You know what I mean? He takes us all by our own, in, in our own pace, in our own time too. And that helps us walk with humility when we remember that. But um, the fourth thing is overcoming fear of rejection. We, the reason we feel rejection a lot of times and we're, we get nervous about rejection, if we talk too much about the Lord or actually ask the question, do you want to receive the Lord? Is because really when we look at it, we're making it about ourselves. We're making it about ourselves. And it's not about us really. I found these three things to be the most common when, I, um, when we really observe why most people have not led someone to the Lord. The first thing is that fear of the real question. Not, I, I've seen many people who will share and share about Jesus and talk and, and show their light, let their light shine, shine everywhere and talk about Jesus, but never actually ask somebody, would you like to receive Jesus? And why are we scared of that question sometimes? The second thing is because we're not quite sure about our qualification. What if they say no and do I have the answers? Or what if they say yes? (laughs) Am I qualified to take that on to the next step? And then we're also sometimes not too sure about the prayer we're going to pray. Let me tell you about the first one, the question. The question is... When we're not asking the question, we are missing opportunities. 
we are missing opportunities. I tell you, you can tell someone about the Lord for the first time, and you can ask them if they'd like to receive the Lord. That's one thing Solo's challenged me a lot, because he'll meet somebody, talk to them about the Lord, and then he'll ask them. If they seem open, he'll tell them, would you like to meet the Lord? Would you like to have the Lord in your life? Would you like to have Jesus in your life? Right away, why do we skip the question so often? There have been so more yeses than noes in that situation, in my experience. Yes. And I, I'd say it's been in the hundreds if I start counting. And sometimes not family... Not to brag, not to brag, sorry to interrupt, not to brag, no. but that is... I, I, and, I, and, and, and I realized that at that time you're completely in unity with what God already wants to do. I mean, yeah. when you have that, there's sometimes you have faith, mm-hmm. but there are some things that you can have so much confidence. It's like, I know that the Lord wants every single person to be saved. It is his desire. Jesus would have never come had it not been the Lord's desire that everyone on this planet be saved. So when you have that in mind, thinking this is the one thing I know. I don't know if I am. Maybe I need a good car, a nice Ferrari so I can look good. I might not know if that's the Lord's will, but this one I know. The Lord is in it. If we keep that foremost in our mind, mm -hmm. it helps us think of opportunities Mm -hmm. to see things as opportunities as a chance to lead someone to the lord instead of oh i'm just going to share today and then we stop we have an opportunity take it you have an opportunity take it when you're with your family sometimes it can be it can feel more sensitive you uh, of all people you don't want to miss an opportunity that the lord gives you and so keeping that in mind like he said will help a lot also let me tell you about qualification too guess what day you were qualified the day you Maybe, gave yes. your heart to the Lord. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. We are all qualified. If we have given our hearts to the Lord, we are qualified. Do we have to have all the answers? Absolutely. Absolutely. I yes. do not have all the yes. answers. Yes, you need to know the whole Bible. Yeah. <laughs> I do not have all the answers, but I'm qualified. Thank you, Jesus. When you have Jesus in your life, you are qualified. You can, you can ask somebody, do you want to, do you want to know the Lord too? I can pray for you. And then you want to talk about the prayer? Wow, let me finish this with a prayer. Because sometimes, you know, and I believe the Lord did this on purpose. There are certain things in the Bible where the, there's a specific instruction. You Like you can't change it up, okay? And there are some things that the Lord kind of gives you the spirit of it. But they don't tag you a precise formula. Now, that's the exact opposite of what an academic, an educated society would want. An educated society, when I went real facts and real details, give me the tough steps of getting free. I'm not putting down the tough steps of getting free. Many people have been free with the tough steps. But the Holy Spirit also does a one step of getting free. I've seen it many times. And so the Lord kind of teaches us the Spirit because we, don't, we, want, we can want to make religion out of everything. And so what, what I'm going I'm to give you one, one, one verse, and there are many, no, two verses. Um, um, about the prayer, because I found sometimes many people, they don't know, am I, am I praying this right? Am I doing right? Can I really do this? Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I, want you to, I want you to read these two verses with me. In fact, I want us to read it out loud. I want us to get it in our spirit. Romans 10, 9 to 10. Let's do that. Romans 10, 9 to 10. I'm going to try that again. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Can we read it strong together? That That if if you confess confess with your mouth mouth the Lord Jesus and and believe believe in your heart that God God raised him from from the dead, dead, 
you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Yes, you did good. I'm going to do it again. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Let's do it together. That if you confess with with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Yeah, I'm waiting for more amens. Because, you know, the, 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 right there, the Lord kind of tells us, this is a verse that we should all memorize. Because that prayer, there is no prescribed um, uh, sinner's prayer. But there's some elements of it that, one, first you've got to just acknowledge or re- admit or recognize or come to the times that say, hey, I'm a sinner. I'm deficient without God. Now, some people don't like to be called sinners. But they'll go, they will take you to task when you judge them about something they like and they know is wrong. They'll say, ah, who are you to judge me? No one is perfect. <laughs> I think it's an irony. They don't want to be called sinners. Oh boy, if they want to defend something that they know, it's not proper, but they like it. Yeah. They, after all, nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. But it's just that thing, that condition has just recognizing that no, I am not. I don't even come close to being perfect. I am a sinner in need of God, in need of salvation. Without you, God, I am nothing. And when we get to that point, you can pray that prayer any way. God doesn't want you to pray like uh, Pastor Dustin or Pastor Chris or Evangelist Reinhard Bonke or Joe and whatever. No, God wants you to pray just as you would pray because he made us Unique. He wants sincerity and genuine and a, and a sincere heartfelt prayer. It's like any believer can pray this. You know? So God, I, you know, I know I'm a sinner, I, 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 but I want, I want to follow you in my life. I want to follow you in my life. Um, I want, would you forgive me of my sins, Lord? Would you forgive me and, 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 and help me? Give me the strength today to follow you. I open my heart to you. Let your spirit come into my life. I'm just, I'm just talking prayer. Those elements there, because what you're doing is that when you talk, most people, no, I've found that most actually already believe. But you're tying their belief, their faith in their heart with the confession that now they're declaring their salvation. So those two together, and then you can reaffirm that confidence. Like, hey, you'll find many people say, I already believe in God. Why, why would you not want to live for him? And maybe that's negative. Maybe, would you like to live for him? Would you like a new start with him today? That doesn't get anybody defensive. But if I say, why? Why don't you want to follow him? I was like, why, why, why are you judging me? How about changing that? Would you like to have him? Anyway, I want to end this message because I could start a, a brand new uh, <laughs> sermon right here and my wife said amen. But... Uh, <clears throat> But we need to get past that, that nervousness because the Lord's already qualified us through Christ. And uh, let's all memorize this. If anything, you can, to give you a framework to pray. I don't believe the Lord wants us to recite a sinner's prayer. But there's some elements about our confession and recognizing 
who we are and how deficient we are with our God mm -hmm. and that we truly need him in our lives and that we are opening our hearts to him to come and be our lead. Are you instantly perfect? No, but you're instantly saved. Yeah. Let's stand and pray. Thank Did you get something from God? This, yeah. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we bless you. We honor you. We thank you that for this wonderful season, as we are celebrating Christmas season, people all over the world are recognizing your son, some directly, some indirectly. But nonetheless, Lord Jesus is celebrated in our world today and the, during this season. I pray, Lord Jesus, for our family members. We pray for our kids. We pray for our parents. We pray for our grandchildren, cousins, sisters and brothers. Friends, those that are close to us. You say there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I pray for those friends that are even closer than family. We know it's not your desire that anyone should perish. But all may come to the knowledge of Christ. Fill our hearts with this burden, this desire, this passion to see everybody that we ever come in contact with come to that realization, that reality that Jesus is Lord. Help us, Lord. Would you just worship the Lord with me? Just where you are. Open your mouth and just begin to worship him. Offer sacrifices of praise. Sacrifices of worship to the Lord. Because when we worship him, we invite his presence right where we are. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we love you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Hallowed be your name, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Be magnified in this place. Be magnified in our lives, Lord. We bring a sacrifice of praise into your house. The sacrifice of thanksgiving to you, Lord. Worthy, worthy, worthy are you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.